Uh, happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there, right? So if you're a mom, happy Mother's Day. Congratulations on being a mom. Uh, my own mom, if you watch this, happy Mother's Day, mom. I'll call you later. So uh, good to have everybody here. My name is Lee. If we haven't met yet, I'm the lead pastor at Mercy Vineyard Church. And uh, it is a strange sensation to speak to a room with only uh, like eight other people in it. So yeah, Dan's waving at me. Hey, Dan. Good to see your face. Good to see your face. Uh, so this morning, what we're doing is we are continuing our three-part series, uh, four-part series, sorry, on emotionally healthy spirituality. And so uh, if you have not read the book by Pete Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, it's an excellent book. I would recommend it to anyone and everyone. Uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, uh, I think it's one of those books that should be handed out to everyone at church uh, for them to read. So if you have a chance to grab the book, you will be glad that you did. Uh, so as we get started this week, I wanted to share uh, briefly an experience that Wendy and I had uh, many years ago, early, early on in our marriage. We'd been married for about two years. I remember Wendy was working as a nanny. I know you probably can't imagine that, Wendy working with small children, but she did, and she was excellent at it, and she loved it. Uh, I was working at a local television station in Denver, and one day, Wendy shows up at the TV station to give me news. And so I was working master control that day, which you spend a lot of time just sitting there uh, in a commercial-free TV station, master control. Set the alarm, wake me up in 20 minutes when it's time to you know, run the station ID and change the tape. But I was sitting there, and Wendy uh, shows up, and she said she has big news for me, right? Big news. And she looks me in the eye, and she says, we're having a baby. I'm pregnant. And uh, to say that I was excited to be a father was an understatement. I mean, I was young. I, I think I was probably 23, 24 years old, so about the age of my oldest son, Forrest. And... Um, we talked about names for the baby. If it's going to be a boy, we're going to name him Lee. Uh, if it's going to be a girl, just kidding. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember the boy and girl names that we had back in the time. They were probably a little more like 90s names, you know, like Michaela or something like that. Um, so, but I remember talking about names and decorating rooms and all those things. And uh, it was just awesome. All the ways that our life was going to change. We told our friends, they congratulated us. It was a very exciting time. Uh, and then we had a miscarriage. And um, at that, that moment, it was like, you know, when your heart is all towards something, when you're like, oh, you know, I'm totally ready for this, and you, your heart begins to turn towards it, you get very excited for it, your life is going to change, you start to fall in love with this little teeny baby about the size of a grain of rice at that time. And, uh, and then you have a miscarriage, and it's kind of devastating. And the questions that you ask, and you ask, why? Why did this happen? Why? And, uh, you know, just like, you know, were we at risk of it happening, happening again? Um, how long 
you know, were we going to have to grieve for our little son or daughter that we never got to meet? And it was a really tough time. And of course, then you have really weird, you know, if, you, if there's any sort of like dysfunction in your faith, you have weird questions like, did this happen because of sin in my life? Did this happen? Did God withhold this blessing because, you know, uh, my granny two generations back owned a Ouija board? Did this happen? Because you have all the weird religious questions that begin to pop up in your mind that are just weird and even shouldn't be there in the first place. But um, it was a really tough time. And so up to that point, you know, being married for about two years, it was the toughest thing that ever happened in our marriage. And, um, you know, we had to come to understand that it was not a result of any action on our part. And it just happened. It, it just happened. And there was nothing that we can do. And uh, th that's just tough. That's tough. And there are, are moments like these, you know, when we go through them, they have a lot of potential, right? So when you have a big moment, we have a moment where you're kind of devastated, where your heart's broken, where it's like you get sucker punched. Those moments have a lot of potential for God to move in our lives. And, um, you know, C.S. Lewis said that God shouts to us in our pain, right? And so, in fact, I'd go as far as to say is that these moments carry within them the potential to either uh, propel us forward in exponential growth uh, or crush us and turn us into something smaller, right? So those moments can, can propel us to exponential growth or crush us, turn us into something smaller, something more bitter, uh, something self-absorbed. And so a lot of times when you meet people who are later on in life, you can tell the way that they've handled these moments in their lives by their character, by their temperament, by their demeanor, right? And so those who have gone through them in a healthy way, they usually have a little more life, a little more faith. And those who did not are old and bitter and complaining and small, right? And so you can just tell the way that people walk through these moments, these big moments in their lives, by the way that they are, the way they carry themselves when they get older. And so uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys have had profound experiences like this. Big time disappointments. Maybe it was betrayal by somebody that you trusted. Maybe it was a, a tragic loss or an injury. And whatever it was, God can use it to bring you to a new level of emotionally healthy spirituality into your life. So uh, what do we do? How do we get better instead of bitter? Because really, that's our choice. You can get bitter or you can get better, right? To, to uh, borrow a phrase. How can we move toward calm instead of anxiety? How can you know, we move to better instead of bitter? And when it comes to learning how to go through the wall, that's what we're talking about today, the wall, these wall experiences, you know, we're going to talk about how we do that. But let's pray first. God, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. Thank you that we get to uh, all be together live today. God, thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would cause your word to come alive in us today. Cause your word to bring transformation. We want to be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to start off. We're going to look at a familiar passage written by Jesus' brother. And uh, uh, Jesus' brother James, in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And uh, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, 
when troubles of any kind come your way. Do we have audio? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Just making sure. All right. Uh, so, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Love it. Love it. So if you remember one thing this morning, remember this. The wall is meant to shape us, not to shatter us. The wall that we go through, so the wall that Wendy and I experienced years ago with our first pregnancy, uh, you know, God meant not, you know, God didn't cause it to happen so that, you know, they need some growth, I'm going to cause this to happen. But his intent when it happened was for it to shape us, not to shatter us. And so the wall is meant to shape us, not to shatter us. When we're confronted by dark, painful times, what we tend to do is we, we drift towards the things that keep us stuck there. So when we hit a dark time, when we hit a hard time, when we hit a wall, our natural inclination, if we just go with sort of our natural instinct, our just natural behavior, we're going to be stuck there. So our, our, we tend to drift towards things that keep us stuck there. And a lot of times, what do we do? And we're really good at this in church, is uh, we speak platitudes, Right? Church is, uh, I, don't know how, I don't know how it happens in church. Maybe it's because we like to quote verses and it feels like a sense of comfort. Um, but we're great at platitudes, right? I can do all things through Christ. Right? You ever find yourself saying that? Or you ever have somebody else say that to you? Your heart is broken. You're bleeding on the floor and somebody goes, come on, you can do all things through Christ. And, uh, you know, or we say things like, like when we lost our unborn baby, you know, people would try to comfort us with just such pithy sayings. You know, God needed another angel. God needed another angel. And you're just like, what? That's horrible. Why would you tell me that? Well, that's not comforting at all. You know, um, or some of the things that we do when we hit a wall is we might become prideful. And this is a very common thing. When we become prideful, when we, be, when we're, uh, when we get betrayed or we hit a wall, we're in pain, we become prideful. And you can tell that because what happens when we hit a wall is all of a sudden we get really impatient with other people's faults. You notice that when you hit a wall, when you're in pain, you get impatient with other people's faults. We become prideful. We might become, uh, when you hit a wall, you might find yourself becoming really like critical of people's of sermons. Like, you could tell, like, when people are in a wall here because they're critical of the sermons, right? Or you might become uh, critical of people's sermons and people's teachings except for your hand-picked favorites. All right? You become prideful. Uh, if you've hit a wall and you're not going through it in a way that's going to help you to grow, you become easily irritated. You ever find yourself just really irritable, Right? Uh, we lack that spiritual sweetness. We find it difficult to wait for God to answer our prayers. We find it difficult to trust in His ways. We find it difficult to trust in His timing, right? Or we become spiritually envious of other people if we're at the wall and we're not going through it in a healthy way. We become envious. We compare ourselves to others and we wonder why other people seem to receive favor and we don't. 
Why do they get favor and we don't? Or we run from difficult things. If we're not going through a wall in a healthy way, we run from difficult things. Our spiritual life becomes more about good feelings and not confronting the sin in our lives. It becomes about feeling good and experience, this experience or this high or this uh, experience instead of confronting sin in our lives and confronting long-rooted, unchristlikeness attitudes. So these are all ways that we can know that we're not going through the wall in a healthy way. Unfortunately, uh, like if you hit ice or your car goes out of control, what do they tell you to do? Turn into it? Or some people, they just say, let go of the wheel, right? So like if you hit a patch of ice, just let go of the wheel or yeah, turn into it. But, you know, in our lives, a lot of times when we hit the wall, what do we do? We want to grab that wheel and we want to, you know, we want to take control. But you have to let go of the wheel, let God have control. So surrender to God, patiently wait for him to bring you through. Thank you, Cole. And uh, so surrender to God and patiently wait for him to bring you through. This is not a time, when you hit the wall, this is not a time to prove that you're better than the person that betrayed you. That's, that's not time. When you hit the wall, that's, that's not time for that, right? It's not time to show the world that you're not affected, right? It's not time, you know, when you hit the wall, it's not time to show the world that greater is he who is in me, you know, uh, because we like to do that. So that's, a, that's a platitude, right? Uh, this is not time to air dirty laundry or use your pain to get attention from others. And we've talked about that in weeks past, how some people like to use their pain as a way of getting attention from other people. That's not time. When you hit the wall, that's not time for that because that's not trusting God. Um, it, it's, not, it, it, it's time to take your wounds to God. You know, take your wounds to God and patiently wait for him. Take your wounds to God and patiently wait for him. And uh, transformation happens when we allow God to bring us through the wall instead of trying to get around the wall or over the wall. We need to let God take us through the wall. And so uh, there, there comes growth, right, in our lives when we do that. And certain spiritual qualities that begin to develop in us when we patiently wait for him, right? When we surrender to him, there's certain qualities. And so I want to talk about those real quick. And so as I check my time, okay, I'm good. Um, so I'll try to go a little more quickly, though. One thing is, is that we experience, when we patiently wait for God and we surrender control and we wait for him to heal us, we experience a greater level of brokenness. And, and I mean that in a good way, right? We experience a greater level of brokenness. Broken people don't have an opinion about everything. You ever notice that? People who are sweetly broken, thank you, Jeremy Riddle, right? Broken people, they don't have an opinion about everything. Broken people don't feel the need to prove themselves or build themselves up to others. That's what I love. You know what? I, one of the things that I love about like older people who've been walking with the Lord for a while and they have a real sweetness about them, like they don't, it's like they don't, they have nothing to prove. They're, they're not like, you know, making sure that, you know, you notice this about them or that about them or they're not, you know, even when somebody uh, else wrongs them, they don't have the feel, feel the need to defend themselves or all those things, right? It brings a greater level of brokenness. Um, broken people are not easily offended. I love St. Francis of Assisi once said, 
Blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall enjoy everything. Blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall enjoy everything. So that's the first thing, a greater level of brokenness. The second thing is a greater appreciation. You develop a greater appreciation for holy mystery. You know, what does that mean? They realize that God is not understandable, and they're okay with that. There are just some things we will never understand about God. I, I, don't, I don't believe that even when we are in heaven, there will probably th be things that we don't understand about God. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. That's just my guess. That's from 1 Lee chapter 2. Um, but, you know, they, they, they're okay with that. They're okay with not understanding everything about God. They're okay with not understanding God's mysterious ways. There's a real childlike faith to a person who appreciates holy mystery. And so the third thing is, is that um, they experience a deeper, under, a deeper ability. They develop a deeper ability to wait for God, to wait for God. And so they let God defend them instead of working to keep their reputations in good standing. They let God defend them. You know, a lot of times what happens when we've been hurt or somebody gossips about us or somebody says negative things about us, you know, we feel like we need to defend ourselves. We need to just wait for God. Let God be our defense attorney, right? There's a, there's a noise. There's a buzz. There's a hum. I don't know. I'm going to guess that that's the bass. Um, no? Okay. Live, people. Um, and so... They are okay. They can trust in God. They don't have to defend themselves. And so um, they can wait on him. And instead of medicating to numb feelings, they patiently mourn before the Lord. They patiently mourn before the Lord. And instead of foolishly pushing ahead to like make things happen, they partner with God and trust in his strength. Okay? And then the last thing is this, about someone who is uh, uh, trusting in God and waiting for him to bring them through. The last thing is this, is there's a greater detachment from worldly stuff. You, you realize, you know, like, like as you get older and you wait for God and you, you trust in him, that there's so much stuff in this world that just doesn't matter. That just, you know, shouldn't have, we have hold on us. You know, God is less concerned about your happiness and more concerned about your freedom. You see, in, in, like, we live in a culture, in a world where those who produce products for us to consume use addictive psychology to get, to keep us consuming, to keep us attached, to keep us connected, to keep us checking. And um, as we kind of walk in that and participate in that, what happens to a lot of people is they become really unhappy, Right? More, 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 but unhappy, unhappy. In fact, we were just having a discussion with the team this morning how uh, there were a couple of us who decided for a day or two, we're just going to take a Facebook fast or we're going to take an information fast because all of this addictive information, addictive technology is just bringing us down. Just take a break from it, you know. God is, uh, and, and when we experience that break, right, we experience freedom. Can I just tell you, God is more concerned with your freedom than it is with your happiness. He wants you to be free. Happiness, that's secondary, okay? He wants us to be free. And that comes with a detachment from worldly stuff. We'll never be free as long as we're attached to worldly materialism and attention and position. In fact, I was just 
talking to another friend of mine who's a professional therapist and he had a woman in his office whose marriage was falling apart, who was just on the brink of so many issues. And as they dug deeper and dug deeper, they discovered it was because she was trying so hard to live this Instagram life. And she was always posting and always checking for likes and always checking for comments that it had become such an addiction for her that her whole family was falling apart as a result. She was bound up in it. There wasn't freedom. Uh, and she thought it was making her happy. But, you know, in the long run, it was making her miserable. God's interested in your freedom, not your happiness, uh, more than your happiness. When we let God have his way, we learn that there is something greater than all of the stuff that the world has to offer. We learn that there's something greater. And when, we, when we're free from attachments, Christ in us and through us begins to emerge. There's a Christ-likeness that starts to emerge, a sweetness that starts to emerge, that starts to rise up in us when we're free from the attachment of all the stuff, right? And so when we allow God to shape us and walk us toward healing, we discover the peace and joy of closeness with him that we would not have experienced if we insisted on simply doing the things that come natural during hard times. Do the opposite. Y'all remember that Seinfeld episode where George did everything the opposite of what he was inclined to do and his life got so much better, right? I was like, what a great lesson. What a great episode. If we all learn to just sort of begin to do the hard stuff instead of doing what comes naturally, we'll experience a lot more happiness, a lot more peace, a lot more wholeness. And when we realize that we, we don't carry the problems of the world on our shoulders, and you know what? Being attached to worldly things can also include that, where we feel like we've got the, the weight of the world on our shoulders. The weight of, our, of the world. Just, you know, we have to fix everything. We're responsible for everything. And when, when we believe that, because of that attachment to all the worldly stuff, um, it just brings, it's just burdensome. And we have to understand that when we, uh, when we detach from all the stuff, either materialism or just, you know, stress from all that's happening, when we detach, we realize that uh, it's not all about us. It's not all about us, right? It's not all about us. And uh, there grows an ease and a sweetness to life because our trust in Jesus becomes so much stronger. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to close just by saying a simple prayer uh, for just people that maybe have hit a wall, right? Maybe you've hit a wall. Maybe it's like Wendy and I, where you are experiencing or have experienced a tragedy. Maybe it's a heartbreak. You know, a lot of people have lost their jobs over the last couple of months. A lot of people just can't see past this, um, this pandemic. And, and there, you know, there's just some people that um, they're, like, they're like lost in it. It's like this pandemic, this, all the news, all the stuff, everything is like just heavy chains around them. And, and they can't see like uh, a great life and growth and great things when it's over. And so I want to pray for people maybe who have experienced or are in a wall. And, um, and maybe it's something that you went through recently. Maybe it's something that you're there now. Or maybe, maybe you're facing a wall um, that you've been facing for so long that you actually forgot that you're even at a wall. Sometimes that happens. You know, we, we hit a wall, months go by, years go by, and we're still stuck there. We just don't know it. 
You know, and I pray that God would reveal that to you today. That you're stuck at a wall because of something that happened to you a year ago, five years ago, your childhood, right? You're stuck at a wall because of something that happened to you a long time ago. You just forgot that you're at a wall. And um, you need God to bring you through. You need to surrender control to him and let him take you through it. And so I want to pray for patience. I want to pray for surrender. And uh, so let's go ahead and pray. So if you're, if you're watching this stream, I, I just want you to, you know, just close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Just pretend I'm there and I got my hand on your shoulder and, and, uh, and I'm just praying for you, okay? Heavenly Father, I pray for those today that are at a wall. And Lord, maybe they've tried to go around the wall and uh, it has been counterproductive because it has brought up things or um, caused them to uh, become ways that are unpleasant. God, uh, maybe their just heart is broken. They just can't see any real life or a full life on the other side of this wall, at least not with them taking considerable control. Um, God, I pray that you would give them patience. Lord, that they would help just help them to let go let go and let you take the wheel to grieve to you to mourn to you god to encounter your comfort and your joy but we love you so much and we praise you in jesus name amen amen